Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley, back here for part two of our episode with the preseason podcast series of the Manly Seagulls and Penrith Panthers. Part one was the Manly Seagulls, and this one we've got the Penrith Panthers, and still here to discuss part two is Billy Marion. Billy, Penrith Panthers, fantastic year last year, obviously took it all out, number one team in the competition. It's going to be a tough year for him to back up. Yeah, I know, mate. I think the, the streak against the Eels, nine games straight, is about to come to an end. <laughs> the Battle of the West is going to be back on. <laughs> I don't think it's been a battle for a while. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't even remember if we've beaten them in the last couple of years. I'm just, <laughs> just sick of losing form. No, mate, they're, uh, they're a bloody good side. They're um, top outfit um, for a reason, mate. They've got some good kids coming through. They've got some exciting young talent too. Obviously, Cleary holding that, holding that all together, mate. Oh, yeah, I think the Eels are just as exciting for me, but just, just lacking that one sort of Cleary factor in the middle. Penrith Panthers had a great regular season last year, 21 wins and only three losses. Uh, interestingly enough, when you're looking at it, they had the best defence in the league. That was the big thing with them. They only gave up 286 points. The next best was a storm at 316. And can you believe that everybody else was at least 400 plus? Um, so their defence was far and away the best outside the storm by a long way, uh, but definitely number one, even better than the storm was. When you look at the points scored, though, uh, 676, there was actually three other sides better than them. The storm, the rabbits, and the seagulls all scored better than what they did. So the point scoring was decent, um, but it wasn't matching their their ladder position, which is interesting. Uh, looking at the team changes, and, and this is a big deal for every team coming into round one, Penrith Panthers have managed to lose quite a few players. Um, their only gains are Sean O'Sullivan, Chris Smith, and Christian Crichton. All those guys are depth signings. But the losses, Billy, Matt Burton, big loss. Brett Naden, Tavita Pengai Jr., who played half the season there. Uh, Kurt Capewell is going to be a big loss. Paul Momorowski uh, played a lot of games in centre for them very valiantly. Those are those are a lot of losses there, um, and certainly some that were really important to their grand final run and their victory without many gains coming in to replace that. So that's going to be really interesting for Penrith. I, I, I dare say that they're a weaker team this year on paper. On paper, maybe. <laughs> I still think they're going to be bloody strong. Uh, look at the guys that, they're let, that they've lost. They're not... Let's be honest, they're not really in sort of key positions, are they? Like, you look at a bloke like sort of, you know, Capel on the right-hand side. I mean, yeah, he played Origin, but how often, how often did he power his way through a line or do anything absolutely outstanding and noticeable? Not kind of really. Yeah, I think Matt Burton's going to be the biggest loss. I actually think that he's going to be quite a quite a big loss. Yeah, 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 true. Um, I'm not sure how, how long it'll take before people figure out he's more sort of show and go. <laughs> he's still going to be hard to stop. He's pretty big and tall. Do, do you reckon they go back to Crichton on the left-hand side or they move him to the right? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm pretty interested in the trials because they're going to have a couple of young guys in that back line, uh, which is going to be good for Supercoach. But in real life, uh, it could be some getting used to. And I, I tell you the other thing too, Matt Burton also really showed his value because he showed his value when we had origin time. Because when you had Cleary out, 
uh, Matt Burton could seamlessly go into those halves. And sometimes you also had Luai out too. Um, and, you know, when they had both those guys out, Matt Burton very valiantly could fill in and get them some victories. They don't really have that guy anymore that can go into the halves as a really talented half like Burton could from the centre spot. So that's going to hurt too, I think, with him going. I've still got him pegged as top four, Billy. Uh, I think their range is probably one to four. I don't think they'll. I don't know if they'll finish first. I don't. I'm not going to pick them to win the grand final, but I think they can get there again. Uh, but certainly top four, surely. Oh, you know you've got a good team when people pick your floor to be the top. The top four. I mean, going going from what they what a 19 was it 19 game win streak and pretty much the same the year before, except maybe one game in the middle lose. It's it's a hell of a run. Like look. It, even though they had a soft as hell draw in the last couple of years, they basically haven't played more, the top three teams and more than sort of, you know, two or three times a season. They've, they've been absolutely kissed on the old fellow with, with regards to draw, but um, particularly because a lot of that was the bottom the bottom six teams. But, um, oh, mate, they're just that good. They just dominate everyone. Yeah, they, they've become a really good well-drilled football team. And I think that that's one of the reasons why they can counter out the losses a little bit. Um, when we're having a look at their draw, speaking of which, they play the Storm, Rabbits and Roosters twice. That's uh, not fantastic. Um, they play the Eels twice as well. So even worse, Billy, because the Eels will surely tail them up twice. Um, <laughs> Actually, right, mate. <laughs> uh, we got the Storm, mate, um, twice. They only play the, the Broncos, Tigers, Dragons once each, uh, which isn't great because those are three probably definitely non-top eight teams. Uh, but their draw to start with, and I'll reiterate again, I, I say it every podcast, but there's some new listeners that jump on board. The, the, for the round one selections, you're really looking at the first couple of months of the season. Um, so certainly the draw gets a bit harder, but the first couple of months, their draw actually looks pretty good. So they start off with Manly, which is a bit harder. But then after round one Manly, they go Dragons, Knights, Souths, Bulldogs, Broncos, Raiders, Titans, and that rounds out the first two months. So certainly out of that, you could say out of those first eight games, um, they may only have really two that are pretty tough, and that's going to be the Manly and the Rabbits games. The other six out of eight for the first two months of the season are against sides that really should give up quite a bit of points to this Penrith outfit. Um, so that's quite good. After the first two months, you know, they do play the first buy as well. So it's going to be really handy. And the, the first buy they play is really good because they play the dogs. They're going to have premium buy options for that round 13 clash. But after that round eight, they hit a, a pretty tough three weeks where they go eels, storm, roosters. So that first two months is pretty solid. Then they have a pretty hard month of footy. But they do have that buy that they're going to play round one and they have the Cowboys and Bulldogs round 12 to 13. So overall, I think the draw is pretty good. Definitely above average, quite strong, um, especially if you discount the first week that they might have a bit of a tougher go. I quite like the draw, Billy. I have to say, after I looked at it, it kind of made me want to look at some Panthers a little bit more to make sure I had a little bit of a piece of it. And I am someone who doesn't have Nathan Cleary, who we're about to talk about. But the draw made me think that if he's fit and healthy, I might need to try and fit him in. Yeah, I did the same thing, trying to get him in as soon as I saw the draw. I shit myself. And I, God damn it. You're going to have to try. Ball teams, what does what what Cleary have to play the weak teams? And then I realised <laughs> every team day plays a weak team. <laughs> it's, oh, I'd, I'd like to try and find a way to get him in, but it really, really, really did leave everything really thin. Like I was able to do it. It took me two weeks. 
but it really relies on having sort of three base price, base price players in the second row. Um, so <laughs> that's the only way to do it unless you sort of drop turbo. I mean, it, it's really what it comes down to, isn't it? And we'll, we'll go straight to Cleary now because he's the first gun that we're going to talk about. Like with Cleary, if you've got him, surely you can't have turbo as well. Like I think it's pretty hard to have both of them in and to tie up. It's possible. It's possible. I did it, but like you said, it's really lean. Yeah, and it's it's also a time in super coaching in NRL where depth is really important as well, right? Yeah, particularly with the new rules, mate, and obviously the not not the, not the new rules, as in the new um uh rules on the field with regards to um inside forty and the the restarts. Yeah, uh, so I mean, look, let's let's look at Cleary's numbers to start with. He's nine hundred fifty thousand. So he's going to be expensive, but he's 950000 for a reason. He had easily his best season. And kind of similar to like when you're looking at like the top sides like Manly last year, um, you know, and we talked about how for DCE and for Turbo, it was huge outlier years. It's a huge outlier year for Cleary as well. He's come off a 2020 average of 83. And we came in the last preseason and said, oh, be nice to have Cleary. It'd be good to start with him still, but he might struggle to back up the 83 because uh, the years before he went 68, 62 and 70. So maybe he hits around 80, but you know, you're know you not going to get tremendous value. Still a good option. And he's come out and he's gone 108. Now, obviously, we didn't really know the impact and the changes that were going to happen during the year with rules being changed during the season and stuff like that. But 108 points is massive for him. Um, and he did it in 16 games, so he did have some injury-affected games. Obviously, his shoulder um, that's had surgery and he's got to come back from. But when you're looking at the tail of the tape, it's it's really hard to leave him out. Seven of his 16 games were tons. It included a 225 one, so he's got those massive ones like a turbo does. But he only had a low of 54, so he just doesn't have bad games in him. And in fact... Only two games in his 16 were below 76, which is absolutely crazy. You know, it is it is very much turbo-esque, but a 300K um, differential in his price tag for round one. Cleary was actually an 80-80 gun. So we talk about 60-60 gun as in, you know, 60% of the time they hit 60 plus. 80% of the time Cleary hit 80 plus. And when you look at his numbers, Billy, on how he scored, it's not really that hard to replicate. You know, 22 try assists, 18 line break assists for a halfback. You kind of expect him to be able to do that again. Uh, 10 tries for a guy that runs the ball quite a bit. Not crazy. Uh, but he was getting over 21 points per game in goals. Now, that's that's a big one. You know, 21 points per game in his score was just from goal kicking. But having said that, you know, they were barely a top four attack. So, I mean, you can't even say that that's going to drop down. So, when you're really looking at the numbers, Billy, you know, Cleary might be turbo this year, but with the 300K discount. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I know no, <laughs> the the thing. Look, he's really, really consistent. You know, he has big scores consistently. So there's there's daylight between him and the other halves in the world, which might be why you want to get him because you you're paying. You got to get what you're paying for, basically. The reason that kind of threw me off, or not not threw me off, but opted me to spend money elsewhere as opposed to paying you know, almost a million dollars for him is because he only scored over 150% of the time. So, and when he did, there were there were only a couple of massive ones. So the likelihood of him hurting you if you don't own him is nowhere near as bad as the other bike that we spent 30 minutes talking about. So he had, what, 225 and 190. So those are the big ones. Had 140. Yeah, okay. 
So that was versus, so you scored those versus anyone. So the, those those are the three big ones. Two, only two of those would really really hurt you if you didn't own him. Whereas the other bloke, not only him, can really hurt. So the fact that he's got a soft draw and price at nine hundred grand, he that reason alone is the reason why I opted to sort of sacrifice a nine hundred k spend on him purely because if I don't own him, he's less likely to hurt as a lot of the others. You're a pretty strong man, mate. I tell you, my, my tolerance for what hurts me, my tolerance level is much lower than yours. 140 points hurts me bad if I don't have it. So <laughs> I don't know about it not hurting. Yeah, but it's, but, it, but, it, but it's only 40 points to get back because pretty pretty sure if you're spending sort of, you know, uh, 800 grand, if you're splitting that 900 grand elsewhere, pretty sure you're getting 100 points or close off another work consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it that way, I guess, um, Look, I'll, I'll be, I'll be outright honest. I haven't had Cleary in my side at all once, and I'm hoping that he's going to be. I'm hoping he's going to be out round one, and I think there's a very good chance that he's out round one. Um, in which case, you can just put put a line through him. I don't want him to be out, out, out round one because that means the ownership of turbo doubles. I really want him to play and just average 85, 90, maybe even 100, just stay there. Well, I think that you're going to find like. With his ownership, he's he's already in twenty percent of teams, and at nine hundred fifty thousand, I don't think that that's going to like double when he gets named round one. Like I think he, I think the, the swing might be maybe up to ten percent more. Um, you know, so it, it's yeah. I don't think everyone's going to jump off and get turbo necessarily, but I see where you're coming from with that. But I think the biggest thing with Cleary with me is outright honesty. I haven't had him in my team once the whole time. Um, like I said, but I'm. Now, coming around to the fact that if I don't have Turbo, uh, I have to have Cleary if he's named round one because of two big factors. One is the draw. He's got a good draw, and I can't miss out on that. And the second thing is the position scarcity, which is what you mentioned. You know, there is no one even close to Nathan Cleary. Um, And the guys that I'm having to look at, just don't really cut it. They, they, they're not going to come close. Like we spoke about with Turbo, how I, I could get a Paps or a Teddy or both of them to sort of come towards what Turbo is going to score. Nobody's going to come near what Nathan Cleary is going to score as a halfback. So the options are going to be very limited. And then if I try and go cheap there, it's a position that I don't think that you really want to go four cheapies in between your half and five eight spot. You need some guns in there. So I've come around to if he's named round one, I kind of need to have him in the side, I reckon. But I think it's fine to leave him out for some builds. Just for me, you know, I'm probably going to try and fit him in. Yeah, I've gone Sexton there. Um, reason is he's obviously he averaged 67 in that role over the five games that he played the full games there. And I went and had a look at the, um, the KO shorts. There was line break assist, try assist that got rejected because David Fafita did a double movement. There was a, try, there was a try that he didn't get because some bloke, instead of passing team, went in completely open balls that went and, dumped, and dummied and went to the outside. There was, an, there, was, there, was an, there was another one where he gave a line break assist and the bloke sort of dropped it over the line. Tiny, tiny little swings. And, oh, and he, he was he was goal kicking and hit the post of the sideline a couple of times, which happens, and then sort of. Oh, geez, you're reaching here, mate. I'm going to have to start calling you Stretch Armstrong. It's uh, mate, there, <laughs> some there big were, reaches here. There, there was there was an there was an extra sort of eighty or ninety points that like that were just sitting on a platter that went went begging. And I know they're only sort of the Titans, but he could have 
he, he's already got a discount on 67 down to a well, 55 average. He could have easily been an 85 average discount down to sort of sort of, you know, sort of 70. I know he's nowhere near the Cleary caliber, but they have a soft draw too. So, um, and I like the I like the way he runs the ball. So I I think Sexton is going to be a lot better than what people think. So I'm going to go him instead of Cleary. Well, I've already said that I'm a bit down on uh, the Sexton talk um, in the Titans pod. Only a small sample size, and I don't like to count things like hitting the post and stuff because everybody... Well, look, I, I want to have a gun in the halves, and it's very hard to find one if you don't have Nathan Cleary. Um, certainly, you can start without Cleary, though. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and talk about a scenario with Cleary, though. If he isn't named round one, I don't think there's any way that you can put him in your side. And I'm going to say that even though maybe he's going to start... He's named to start like round two or even round three, and people are going to consider it. The reason why I'm going to say it's a bit different to Grant and Munster is because with Grant and Munster, you can do it round one because you know 100% they're back round two. With a Nathan Cleary, if you spend 950000 a lot more expensive than those guys, on him for round one knowing he's out and with a shoulder injury, it can be very touchy. He goes through training for two weeks in a row after that and they don't want to risk him because, like, why would they? They're probably going to win anyway. You know, it could be round four before you even see Nathan Cleary appear. And I don't think you can mess with that at all. Not with a shoulder injury like that. Oh, mate. The last thing you want is a Pappy. Yeah, next week. Next week. Or a Madison. HIA. Next week. Next week. Six weeks in, you got a million bucks on the match. Yep, exactly. Insane, it? You, you can't possibly do it. Like, if, if Cleary is ruled out round one, he's ruled out of your super coach team because you just cannot risk uh, him being out round two, round three, uh, which, which is a possibility. Yeah, I think... I think you all need to take a deep breath and cop that one on the chin. Uh, let's move along. A lot of chat on Cleary. think he's a great option. If he's named round one, it's going to be hard to keep him out of my side. If you're not going to have him, I think it's fine, but you want to make some other good decisions with that money. Brian Toto. Toto had one of the best centre wing years that we've ever seen. We both loved him coming into this year, so I'm going to say he's one of the ones that we did get right. We um, We really wanted him at the start. I got him very early. Uh, I think after the first two rounds, what I saw, I said, yeah, that's exactly what I was what I was waiting for. I'm going to jump on him. Worked out great. Um, he ended up averaging 84 points a game, played in 18 games, which is the most he's played in first grade. It was startling to watch how he could score so well without scoring clutch attack. 42 raw base, but he had a 57 base base attack. So he was almost getting to 60 points just by... He's runs, tackles, offloads, tackle breaks. You know, he was up there with the top few players in the NRL in tackle breaks as well. And none of that's going to change. So one of the things that I really like about someone like a Brian Toto is, you know, with other players that score really highly, clutch attack stats can really fluctuate. And for those that don't know the clutch attack that we're talking about, clutch attack is your, your try assists, your line break assists, your tries, your line breaks. You know, someone could score 25 tries one year and that could drop to 18 the next year and that has a huge super coach impact. Someone like Toto, who's a worker, he's, his base base attack isn't going to stop. That's his work rate. So that's great. In tackle breaks in the NRL, he was fourth. But if you look at that per game, he was getting over seven tackle breaks a game. Tops for a winger. So massive value. Try scoring wise, Billy, he scored 14 tries in his 18 games. That's pretty reasonable for a top winger. I'm going to say, like, I don't think that's a massive outlier where he's going to drop hugely off that. Um, five out of his 18 games, he tunned, which, you know, for a center wing is really good. Um, only one bad game, which was below 55. 
first three games last year, though, was only a 65 average. So with a Brian Toto, I'm going to say that I'm hoping that we're going to get like the first three rounds of last year where he averages 65. Because for a centre wing, Billy, uh, I just don't think you can pay 737000 for for Brian Toto. I really want to. Um, and look, I'm going to rephrase. I think that you can pay that. But the other guys that you're missing out on, is, it might hurt you. So you, you could do it. But I think it's a pretty hard build for round one. I'd really like to. I'm not going to. I'm going to hope that he starts off the year averaging a 65 for the first month. Yeah, I'm the same, mate. I, um, I had him in to start with because I really wanted that sort of... Uh, those hit-ups numbers um, and obviously the really soft jaw hoping he'll get some tries on the left-hand side again but then I realised number one Crichton's back on that inside of him and he ain't going to give him anything um, secondly even when he did absolutely go mental he doesn't do enough to hurt you like he had one game where he scored 140 or something like that but most of his games were 60, 80, 90 60, 80, 90 60, 80, 90 and he's basically priced at that so Unfortunately, his value isn't as much, isn't as value valuable as spending elsewhere. His value there is probably a probably save a trade, and b, you know, he's going to give you sort of 70, 75 each week at seven three quarter. Um, hopefully, it kind of allows you to offset maybe get the fifteen elsewhere because it's his value is certainly not at his current price. His value is probably offsetting maybe losing 15, 20 points and having to play a cheap elsewhere. But you're still going to be sacrificing that spend up front somewhere. Yeah, I, I think the big thing for me when you're talking about sacrificing, like if you're if you've got him in there, you're going to be sacrificing either one of your fullbacks, a uh, Nathan Cleary or a David Fafita, you know, and those are the guys that really have those big ceilings. So I couldn't possibly leave out one of my two top fullbacks. I couldn't possibly leave out Nathan Cleary. I couldn't possibly leave out David Fafita to have a Brian Tyo in my team, and you can't have all those guys. So. That's kind of the angle that I've got on him. He's in 13% of teams, Billy. So, and look, I think it's fair. Like, if you want to start with him, I think it's fine because he's earned that right. I think you, I think you'll be number one centre wing at the end of the year. Can you see him dropping from the best centre wing in the game? Nah, like unless obviously, um, what, what do you call it? Um, Garrett goes on an absolute tear. But this, this bloke here just has a massive work rate. I, I, I love watching the little fella just sort of. Hit up, hit up, hit up, tackle bus, tackle bus. And at the end of the game, you're seeing, you know, most meters say forward number one, forward number two, forward number three. Oh, and in first place, Brian Tua. <laughs> the, the bad thing about Tua is that he had such a good year that he ended up in the Origin team. Um, and Penrith playing that round 13 by a year prior before he made it, he would have been really handy. And I would have been targeting him so hard and loved having him in that in that Bulldogs game round 13, but we're not going to see it because he's going to be in that origin game. So that kind of sucks as well. Oh, mate, I was so happy for him. It's really, really deserved. Like when you get, when you get like a five foot eight winger doing that sort of work rate, it's, it's just beautiful. See, it's, it's awesome <laughs> to watch, mate. It's just, it's, he, he's one of the reasons why people go, go to 40, mate. Kind of reminded me of him when sort of semi Rajada came years ago. Like he, he's obviously, obviously a lot taller, but it was just get the ball to semi, you know, What's the secret, Semi? I catch the ball, I score the try, and I get the ball back to the halfback. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian just runs and runs and runs and runs. And I, I love watching him run. I love the work rate stuff. Um, I, I used to say that he is, uh, when he was coming through, I said, oh, he's a he's a poor man's Tupo. You know, he's got that great work rate coming through into grade in the NRL. I was excited for him. And now, unfortunately, <laughs> Daniel Tupo is a poor man's Brian Tyler. <laughs> so it's turned around within 12 months. But look, 
I don't understand that. Like, I was actually oh, on a um, on a podcast with one of the other fellas. I think Adriana saw us the other day. We were just have, having a chat, and we were doing the chooks. And the thing that really surprised me was um, was Tupu. Like, I've known for years because uh, you keep drilling it into me how, how how good Tupu is with his work rate, um, and, and in particular more so at Origin. Like, if, when you watch him at Origin, like it seems like every sort of third hit up is him on the kick return. He's getting in there. He's making 10, 15 minutes every single time he's got the ball. But when you go and look at his scores at the Chooks, it's, it's almost like it's capped at, you know, 40, 60, 40, 60, because they either just don't give it to him because they go, right, he caps out at sort of 26, 28 points to count per game, but just doesn't seem to get the offloads or tackle busts just to get to that next level. That really surprised me. Yeah, he does. I mean, he does have the um, the nicer games, but he doesn't sort of have those 120s in him, 130s and those massive mega scores. You know, he still has those 100s in him. But yeah, it's with him. It's a really good floor because of his work rate, and when he scores a try or two, you know, he can get those decent scores. Mate, imagine him at the uh, the Rabbitohs. You just you're just making fun of me now. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> he, he too bad going to have a great year this year. It's not going to be a Brian Tyo year. But Brian Tyo, um, look, if you want to go for him, guys, he's a great option. Uh, I'm going to be. He's going to be one of the first centre wing keepers that I try and get in. So certainly, he's great. Not for round one for me, but if you want to go there, it, it's, it is worth it in a way because you can set your centre wing up with a, a foundation guy that's always going to score well. He did start slow last year, and I'll finish on that. He did start slow last year, uh, and maybe with a tougher matchup the first game, and you know he could average 65 the first few weeks, and he's going to start dropping some cash. So I'm going to wait. Um, let's have a, a look at another gun. But this guy, unlike the first few that we've spoken about, uh, I'm not really big on, and that is James Fisher-Harris. But James Fisher-Harris has quite a big fan club, Billy. Uh, he's a guy who often has more people starting him than what I think should. Um, but, you know, when you look at his numbers, he's always quite solid, so it's hard to sort of say you're making an error. He's going to come in at 543000 Front row Ford only now, um, and that's kind of key because before he was a jewel, which was a lot more handy. Front row Ford only, he's coming off 62 points a game. 53 minutes is actually the lowest minutes he's played since 2017. So I think that was a pretty big concern for him anyway. Um, But he still managed to score better than what he did in 2020, which was 59. Got a raw base of 49 points. He doesn't have a huge amount of, you know, base-based attack, doesn't have a huge amount of clutch. He's basically a 50-50 proposition, and when he hits you 60 points, he is really solid. Um, I get that. 543,000. You know, Payne Haas is 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 forty odd k more. Um, Tavita Pengai Jr. is twenty k more for front row forward. Fanua Blake is forty k less. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of guys that are either less than him or slightly more that are a lot more dynamic and significantly better for Super Coach. So I'm not I'm not going to say he's a plotter. He's kind of a good plotter <laughs> if there is such a thing. He kind of goes along and has a good work rate and scores pretty good but he just doesn't go outstanding and he's got a propensity to have these runs where you can go a bit low, you know, and by that, I mean, if you have a look at round 13 last year for a month of footy, he went 59, 49, 54, 52. None of it's terrible, but it's not very good for a guy that you're going to spend almost 550 K on. And he could do that at any time round three he had a 39 point score. You know, he's got those ones in him as well. So James Fisher Harris, I love in real life. Um, his minutes went down last year, and I just don't think that he's a great option with the amount of other real um, upside guns that you can get. 
Yeah, particularly so because he, he, his value was more the year before when he was playing. When he was playing massive minutes, like he was getting some 78 minute games and going over the line. That's where that's where his kind of real value was. And that, now that he's back to sort of that uh, that 10 role, he's, bas- he's basically your uh, Aiden Campbell Gillard type sort of, you know, anywhere from sort of 45 to sort of 55 minutes, maybe even 60 on 60 on a good day, just smashing it out in the middle. He just. There's nothing in there that's really going to sort of elevate you to the next level. And uh, 2019 is the year that Billy was referring to there. He's 77 minutes a game for 66 points a game. That was his career year. So I'm not going to get back to that while he's wearing that 10 jumper. Let's move along. Always sad to talk about the falling guns. There's a lot of fallen guns that we're talking about in part one with uh, old staples like Tapao and Gerbo. Mate, this guy was one of the best dual center wing second row forwards that you could have. And he was fantastic to have in your center wing as a back rower that was playing bulk minutes, and that was Yao. Yao has come into last season with a lot of expectation, and he really didn't deliver. Isaiah came in and averaged 57 points a game last year, down 12 points a game from 2020, where he averaged 69 points, and it was an absolute revelation as a centre-wing option that you could have. Uh, he lost six, six minutes a game, so he went from 70 minutes down to 64, but at under a 1 ppm mark, uh, that doesn't explain the whole story. Um, he's both lost about six points in minutes and he's probably lost about five points just in um, just reduction in role or reduction in work rate. Not sure exactly what's happened with him, but his base went down to 47. Isaiah Yo, um, when you're going through the year, only scored the two tries and that was less than the year before as well. And just overall, Billy, it looks like that he might be not declining because he's going to be, you know, he's 27. He's going to be turning 28 um, during this season. You know, a couple of years off 30, he's kind of still in his prime. But it just seems like his role in the team has kind of reduced a little bit. 503,000 for a second row forward. Getting old, isn't he? 28. Go on, mate. <laughs> Oh, look, he's ancient. He's ancient, especially compared to us. But, you know, in football years, I feel like he's just made, he's just done a lot of work for a lot of years and he's kind of older than, than 27, 28. But look, maybe it's a bounce back here. You know, is this an opportunity at around 500K to look at a worker like him um, with other guys leaving the club like Capewell and so forth and think that maybe he has a bounce back? Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm not thinking bounce back. Do you, do you think he's been at the change? Like he's, he, look, he's early. The early early in the season, okay, 70 minutes, 69, 80, 57, 61, 70, 66, 80. So he's got some high minutes. But then he then he has some, like, he's had, he had one nine-minute game, but that, but that doesn't really offset that much. But he's had, like, a 50-minute game, a 51-minute game, 62, 62, 53, 61. He's got a few games which probably drag it probably enough to drag him down maybe seven or eight points. So he could realistically be like a 67 type average where he's sort of priced sort of 60. And that's with only sort of two tries last last year, like you said, and the nine minute and the nine minute game in there. Do you think it it is at all possible with um some of the movements out of the team at, at the moment, particularly with Capewell going, that they maybe called in the middle to play a little, a little bit more of a bigger minute game in the middle? I don't. I don't think it's going to help. Only because I think that Liam Martin's kind of just going to go in and replace Capewell and do what do what Capewell was doing. Um, so there's not going to be like any extra minutes there for them to lean on with him. Um, when I look at the sort of bench that they're looking at, Mitch Kenny's going to be on there. He's probably going to play some middle, so he'll probably come on for maybe he'll come on for Farazayao. 
Um, and then they'll have like a Scott Sorensen, Spencer Lino and another middle forward. So I just, yeah, I don't really see it. You know, if anything, maybe um, the two back rowers, the two second rowers, I should say, get extra minutes uh, rather than Yo. So, but even if he gets like three or four extra minutes, you know, we've already said, you know, only half of the story is, is minutes based. The other half is he's just dropped off in his production. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, mate. I um, I just really want him. <laughs> I just want him to increase in minutes and go back to centre three quarter, <laughs> which is you know. Well, you know, look, if he somehow ends up playing centre because you know they they do they are going to have to get a rookie centre in. Uh, if somehow he ends up playing centre for four or five games, actually, that's a good good point. That's a, that's a really good point. Like the. It's probably something that should, all the listeners should probably look out for. I mean, if you can spot someone, which is, uh, uh, as an example, like a Brian Yeo, it's not Brian Yeo, a, a Yeo-type Yeo player who's among the gins guys, if you can spot a guy like Yeo who's priced at that, that's, you know, having, um, you know, two or three games at seven and three quarter just as a filling, just just prior to the first quarter or second quarter update where they're actually going to update the positions, Absolutely, just get them in here. If they've got a break even, they're going to jump up in price, even if it's only sort of 30, 40 grand. Get them in, preempt the fact that they're going to get updated, get them in, and then as soon as, it, as, soon as they get that updated um, seven three-quarter position or whatever, use the rotation and get them down to that position you want. Did you find that point at the bottom of the the, uh, the gin can there that you got? Or <laughs> No, mate, it's not a two-inch new question. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I, I think... If by some freak of nature, yeah, I can play a few games at centre and he gets updated like round six to a dual centre wing. That's where his value is going to be. But other than that... He was probably... He was probably... <laughs> no, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, let's move along. Let's talk about a rising gun. But I'm going to say this is going to lead into our controversial chat as well because I, I, I kind of think he's a, he's a rising gun, but he could actually be controversially not very good. Before I do that, I do need to mention... Fantastic partner of the All Stars podcast, Top Sport. Top Sport are a great sponsor of this podcast. You can go to Top Sport, www.topsport.com.au, and check them out. They are 100% Australian owned bookmaker. They have some of the best odds in the market. All sports are covered. Go on there for NBA. Go on there for the baseball when it kicks off, hopefully in a few weeks after the strike action is done. They'll often have the best odds for any of those head-to-head games. They've got great prop markets as well. But if you want to stick to NRL, um, there might be some really, really great new NRL markets I'll be able to tell you guys about that Top Sport are going to be getting uh, for the kickoff. But we'll know about those in a couple of weeks' time. Great futures are already on there. But if you're going to gamble, make sure that you do it responsibly. Do it on Top Sport, though, with a promo code when you open your account of SC All-Stars, all one word, and they'll know to take great care of you as one of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast listeners. So jump on Top Sport, www.topsport.com.au. The rising gun that could be uh, controversially not very good, Billy, Liam Martin, a guy that a lot of coaches are looking at uh, because obviously Capewell has gone, it's left a hole. Liam Martin played Origin last year. He's only 429000 to have in your side, so he's got a decent price point for a guy that might start. When you're having a look at the tail of Liam's season, he did have a, a few games that he started, so we have a decent sample size to come from. But overall, he was he's priced on 58 minutes a game, 49 average. The year before, uh, he played 75 minutes a game for a 55 average. So you kind of get a bit of a sneak peek into almost exactly what you can expect for him unless he's improved as a footballer. 
And that's only about five or six points better um, than what he's currently priced at. And I think that that's the issue. We kind of got a sneak peek in 2020 uh, as to exactly what we can expect from Liam Martin. And that's if he averages 75 minutes a game. And it's not phenomenal. It is a cheap price point. But when you're going through the numbers, you know, last season alone, he did start on an edge. He started on an edge, averaging 69 minutes a game for half a dozen games. That was only 54 points per game. So it marries up reasonably well with what we saw from him in 2020. Again, only about five points unders. When you're looking at last year, you're going to get about 45-ish base base attack, which... You know, look, obviously edges are going to have a lower base. I was actually quite shocked. I thought that his base attack was a little bit better than what it was. He had three tries and six line breaks. That's kind of, you know, what he's going to get probably. I don't think that that's well below or well above what we can expect from him. So overall, Billy, I feel like Liam Martin looks good. Price point at under 430 seems really good value. Has a new role, which is another big box ticked, going to guarantee to start possibly play 80 minutes, but certainly you'd expect he's going to be at least 65 plus. All big ticks everywhere. But when you look at it, we've kind of seen the story before and all the numbers are there to say, we're not going to get that much out of it. Yep, 100%. If you go back to December, every not every man is dog, but a fair few people were saying, look, if you're not on the um, if you're not on the right edge at the, um, at the Panthers, you're not, you're not super coaching right. Absolute rubbish. If you go and have a look at all the minutes and all the scores from every right edge player at the Penrith for the last of the two years, they've done nothing. They might have two or three games where they've scored above 60, but Cleary goes left. And when he does go right, it's it's maybe a grubber or a short ball to that sort of um, edgy. And they just cannot get the ball out the back to the, the, the right hand winger. It's almost like he just doesn't know how to pass right. And it's more like a little grubber or, or whatever, but it, you're not. When you do that, you're not going to get big points for your right edgy. Um, so unless the, unless that right edge is doing massive, massive hit-ups, massive tackles, massive tackle breaks, you're not going to get the clutch attack to really sort of elevate you. So even if you've got a guy that's um, already averaging you know, 45 or 50, if you think they're going to average 65 or 70, just being able to clear his hit, you're absolutely mistaken. It's not going to happen. Yep. Great stats there from Billy. It's a, It really just isn't there when you're having a look at it. It's just not... Not how Penrith really structure their team. I mean, I could see a realm of possibility where maybe he gets to 60 points, but I kind of feel like that's his ceiling. And if you're hoping for his ceiling, an absolute ceiling to get, you know, 10 points better than what you're paying, um, that, that might be, that might tell you that it's maybe not really worth it um, for 428K. You should probably spend elsewhere. I, I don't think it's going to be bad. So I think that we probably need to say that to people as well. Like, I'm not on it. I don't think that he's going to go well enough. I think he's going to go better. I think he's a really good real-life player. And I think that if you have him in your side, like, it's not going to be bad. It's just not going to be real good. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get a huge value out of it. And I don't think it's going to be very exciting. And he's going to probably play Origin and he's only going to play round 13 and you're not going to make 100K. So it, it just doesn't – it's just going to be one of those things where you go, yeah, it was okay owning him and now I need to sell him. Uh, and I can see that happening in the first couple of months. So definitely not a huge mistake, but I don't think it's going to be a big home run either. Let's move along to a guy that I think is a big mistake. And it's a mistake that I like to make reasonably frequently, and that is Billy Kikau. So I rarely make this mistake round one, Billy, so I'm going to throw that caveat out there. But every year I try and nab Billy Kikau when he's really, really cheap. You know, he got he got to about 380000 last year, and that was the ticket. You know, that's cheap enough with a good draw coming to try and get him. 
and he didn't score very well. Um, you just it's really hard to pick with him on when he's going to go off. Sometimes um, he you know round two last year he played the Bulldogs and he threw up 123 points. Uh, then round four, he threw up a double against Manly again for 92 points. So you got one of the better sides in the comp, one of the worst sides, and those are his, two of his three best scores of the year. Um, so it's it's always a bit hard with him. Um, and the problem is that you starting with him round one, um, you don't really know about his minutes, and that's probably the biggest thing with Big Billy Kicker. Um, his minutes last year were the lowest that they've been since he really broke into first grade. So 2018 is when he was a fully fledged starter. And he played 69 minutes a game. 2019, 72 minutes a game. In 2020, he played 67 minutes a game. Down to 61 minutes a game in 2021. And funny thing is, you know, his minutes have been down as much as 11 minutes a game, Billy. But Kikau's average for four years straight has been within 58 to 61 points. So it's it's really, really uncanny that the minutes haven't really mattered. He's always been within, you know, 58 to 61. So one of the things that I thought might have been a positive with a with an edge back row that has a 36 raw base, which is pretty terrible, is that, hey, 61 minutes is really low. Maybe he can get 10 minutes extra a game because he did play 72 minutes a game in 2019. He scored less in 2019 with 10 minutes extra the extra minutes don't actually do anything for Big Billy Kickout because I think he gets gassed. So I think it's going to be a big mistake going near him. Um, he's not hugely expensive, but at 520000 he's probably way too expensive compared to other options that you can get for round one. Yeah, he's one of those guys where he really is to be a supporter. <laughs> the rift you really kind of have him in your team, I think. He doesn't play massive minutes, but when he's on, he only, he, only, uh, he only needs to be on the park for 35, 40 minutes to have line break, line break, try to and score big points. But you really need to be a massive supporter of the Panthers to think, hey, my boy's, my boy's on today. He's going to do it. <laughs> I think he yeah, I think he had two or three games last year where he came on and he sort of showed muscle and power to sort of get through that line. Not even just in the, op- the opposing sort of half, but in, in, in his own half. Like he... Yeah, he has a short run up. You might, you might smash through a bloke, get an offload away, or even get away yourself. And it might only be a 20 or 30 minute run, but it all, it all counts. Um, I just don't think he has the, the stamina or, or the longevity early to punch out big scores back to back for the first 10 or 12 weeks. I think he's more of a, hey, look, we're in rounds sort of 12, 13, 14 now. I'm going to get a big fella in sort of five or six game run and just see, see if he can give me sort of a leg up now that my, my, my team is stacked. Yeah, and look, he'll fluctuate. Like, you'll get him 150K cheaper at some point. And if it hits a sweet spot, you know, like, especially for round 13, you know, I, I had a dig last buy for him because he, he played round 12 through that first buy. He went Bulldogs, Tigers, Sharks. Had a dig because, you know, 380K, why not? He went 37, 49, and 43. So that tells me, Billy, if I do the same thing for round 13 again this year, He's going to go well because he went shit house last year when I did it. So that's when I'm going to look at him. <laughs> yeah, mate. There's a time and place for everyone. The uh, hard thing about the uh, the the sheep's head is that you got no idea when he's going to turn up. Big balls pod time. This is a big, big, big balls pod. Jerome Luai. Now we spoke about how in in those halves positions, and by halves I'm talking about halfback and and five eight. Uh, once you go past the top options of like Nathan Cleary at halfback and, you know, the Munster Walker options at six, it's really quite barren and you're really taking a big drop off. Um, so certainly people are looking at guys 
around that 500k price point and trying to find someone that might bust out, that might actually start well, at least for part of the season to kick it off. Uh, Jerome Luai is 515,000, so he's in right around that category around guys like Kiri, um, about 50k more than a Sean Johnson. Uh, all, all these guys that have been looked at to try and fill the void if you're not going to have Nathan Cleary for round one. He's a guy, really, that uh, I actually thought that he did a lot worse than what the numbers say he did last year. I felt like it was a massive down year for him. But when you have a look at it, he scored 59 points a game in 2021. He only scored 62 a game in 2020. So, I mean, it was only three points. It felt like it was about 10 points difference. But when you look at the numbers, it wasn't really the case. Um, I think that it was that we expected him to do a lot better. And we expected him to progress as a footy player and that was going to come over to Supercoach. So I think our expectations were that he could have averaged, you know, 68 points or something and ended up averaging 59. When we're having a look at it, you know, he only scored two tries last year. He scored seven in 2020, you know, and only four line breaks last year. That was really where it came down to. His, his, his assists were basically pretty similar, but he wasn't getting paid off for the runs that he was making. He wasn't running the ball enough. Coming into this year, could you see him with a, a fairly good draw for a running six to maybe run the ball a bit more and, and get some better points? Because, you know, he is a guy that maybe could go on a good run um, and maybe he's a guy that you could get at 515K and for a six-week period, he could maybe give you 75 points a game. I, I think that that's what you've got to look at and hope for with someone like Jerome Lua. I'm not suggesting he's the best big balls pod. In fact, I, I don't, I'm not going to go him and I don't think he's a great option, but on the All-Stars podcast, we need to look all the options, Billy, and he's probably the big balls pot in that Penrith back line that you could have a look at. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I think he goes better this year. Um, I was just about to say, until you kind of said it in the second half of your, your sentence there, that yeah, he scored sort of two tries last year as opposed to the seven the year before. He's um, he's not what, what I would call a hog, but he does tend to go himself when he's close to that line and the riff are always close to the opposing line. If you go and watch, watch their game, they just never seem to be inside their own 20 or 30 mid line ever. If they are, it's, a, it's an anomaly and Tua gets them out of there pretty quickly. So they're always inside that sort of 30, 35 metres, which is why when when they go left, and they always go left, when they get to, when they get to um, Young Luai, he, he always seems to have that that cutout ball from kick-out to Crichton when he is on the left or that little grubber behind the line where, where Crichton sort of goes over the line. That's, that's why sort of Tuo sort of struggled sort of um, the year before last because everything just seemed to be the Luai, Kikau and Crichton show. Now that you've got um, the Crichton back as that key player on, on, the, on that left centre, I reckon you probably see uh, Luai go a little bit more. And I think for our listener at home, long-time listener, Brad Huxley, who just sent me his team, He's got Luai in there. I reckon he's, that's probably what he's hoping for. Yeah, I think that he's undervalued and does do well. Um, so it's interesting that Brad's got him in the side. Brad finished 12th last year from memory. So Obviously, he wasn't um, listening to us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he was, he'd want to finish first. No. Um, look, Brad came on the podcast last year, actually, for one episode, which is great to hear how he's going to try and um, get into the top 10. But it's, you know, Luai is one of those guys that I think could go well. My problem with him is as a big balls pot, he doesn't really have those massive scores in him. He doesn't have very many tons. He only had the one ton last year. And I, I sort of thought to myself, if Cleary is out to start the year, maybe that'll be really good for him. But he didn't take advantage of it last year because I bought him last year when Cleary was out because he was 
dirt cheap. Like it was like 300K, 320K or something. And I was like, well, I may as well because, you know, they've got a pretty good draw on the run home and if Cleary's out for a lot of it. He didn't really do better with Cleary out, uh, which I was kind of surprised about because I thought he was going to take charge. Maybe that's an outlier. Maybe if Cleary's out the first two or three rounds, you know, he takes charge a little bit more, Billy, especially being the start of a new season. Yeah, yeah, he's he's always had a bit of a go. He, he, even even when Cleary's in the team, he doesn't play second fiddle. If he wants the ball, he takes it. Um, particularly when it's that short ball, it's just that sometimes Cleary sort of comes across that side of the field and won't cut him out, but just sort of uh, takes more control in that sort of fifth 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 tackle. Um, Louis just seems to be more of that sort of fourth tackle. Hey, I see something if we're close enough. Here's that grower to try and maybe sort of get five, yes, five again, to get six again, or maybe sort of get it, get get a few points on struggle. And I, <laughs> you have to fill the gin up, mate. You've obviously emptied it out. You need your spinach. Only had, Come on, Popo. Yeah, two. Well, they uh, they were they were points though. Oh well, there you go. Uh, look. I, <laughs> Luai's an option, guys, for a big balls pod, but uh, look, you need to temper your expectation. 500K is a bit much. You know, if it was 400K, I think it'd be a lot easier to take a punt and I'd actually be pretty interested, but I'm keen to see how he goes. I think that he can bounce back. He can score some more tries and um, and maybe give you a bit of value. Look, Yeah, and the, the, the draw is on his side too, so I agree with what you're saying, mate. Yeah, yeah, and he could, especially when we're talking about, you know, like we said in a few podcasts, compartmentalise the season to start with. You know, this guy might only score 60 points for the year, but is he going to score 78 points for the first four weeks? You know, that's sort of how you got to look at it. And if you think that someone like Jerome Luai could, then he's a great sort of pod option to have a, have a punt on. Uh, but just don't do it with too many players in your team. Now, mids and cheapies. Now, we've obviously got a, a spot there in the centres because Burton has gone over to the Bulldogs. At the moment, it seems like we've been absolutely blessed by Targo coming into just about every predicted team. It looks like he's going to get one of the centre spots. And he's a dual secondary forward centre wing. And he's only played six games before, so there's not much to take from it. But realistically, you can just throw the numbers out the window because it's a very small sample size. He's a young guy, and he's going to start for the first time in his career. When you're looking at someone like this, Billy, um, I've said many times over several years on all the forums, on every podcast under the sun, must have gets thrown around way too much, especially with guns or mid ranges. You know, very rare do I say someone's a must have, but most of the time when I do, it's because a guy is very, very cheap uh, and, and guaranteed to make money with high job security. Targo, 287000 as a dual secondary forward center wing. Uh, I'm going to say that he's very close to being a must-have at that price point when you can throw him at second row or center wing and that they're not going to be a lot of bottom dollar cheapies. So he looks locked in. He's in 41% of teams. He probably should be in 80% of teams for round one. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that, mate. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I'm trying to think of something I can add to that. You've pretty much taken all my notes. <laughs> oh, I must have had a peek at him. Well, look, here's one that I'm just going to throw straight over to you. The great enigma of Spencer Linu. Now, you mentioned him a bit earlier in the podcast, just, and I'm a bit curious. <laughs> Obviously, he was the flavour of the month uh, heading into March last year. You know, and everyone jumped on because they thought he was going to get huge minutes. He only got 24 minutes a game, four minutes a game more than 2020, the same minutes that he got in 2019 in his debut season. 29 points a game. 
So he's obviously still priced very low. And he's someone at front row forward. So, I mean, what I will say in his favour is he's, he's 25K less than, uh, than Bullimore. And he's probably going to do just as well. So there is that. But at 258,000, is Lena going to get more minutes now? Is he someone that maybe it's the second year lucky with him and it's this year? It's this year, Billy. You can get him in this year and it'll work out and you can make amends. Oh, uh, mate, until I see it, I'm not interested. <laughs> he's he's going to have to double his minutes. And pay. Uh, look, his PPM's great. Um, funnily enough, it actually averages out to a 0.9. I, th- I, th- I thought it was a lot higher than that. Maybe maybe the small minutes kind of skews it a bit because, you know, if you're only on the field, so if you're only on the field for sort of 10, 15 minutes at a time and you make one or two of those tackles, it makes a 20% difference in your PPM. So it's kind of hard to gauge where he's at, but he, he does he does seem to have a big work rate. Yeah, he does. Um, I, I mean, again, you can see what I said earlier, though, with those front row forwards coming off the bench, they just don't get the clutch attack. He played 17 games last year and he scored one try. And that one try, I remember, because a lot of people in one of our smaller groups were chatting about the game with everyone and, and they were jumping up and down. Spencer's gone over, he's gone over. A lot of people used him because they needed him that week. Yeah. And he went over for that try and he still only scored 35 points. So it was like... I remember that game, I was filthy. <laughs> uh, well, look, he's, uh, you, I think that he's one of those guys where in your forward pack, you're probably going to get someone hurt, suspended or just exceptionally disappointing in the first couple of weeks. And if Lenu comes out and plays 40, 45 minutes the first two weeks of the season. You can just downgrade him to, to a Lenu and do it that way. Um, but starting off with them, I don't think you can do. Taylor May is the other guy that's been mentioned a little bit, but he's not in all the predicted teams, so there's a chance that he doesn't come around. Um, but Taylor May, not to be confused with the other May, who's now over in England, uh, he's priced at 250000 as a centre wing. So he's someone that might start on the wing at two hundred fifty k. I'm going to just remind everyone, though, that the great Staines experiment last year, you know, he was more than what Taylor May was and he struggled to make any money as a noted try scorer. So just maybe temper your expectations again at 250K, but he's going to be an option if he gets named. Yeah, I, I, I honestly thought May was the one who was going to sort of take over and then sort of target Targo's thing kind of got thrown around. Um, I, really, I really didn't know what to make of it, but... Who actually played the more games last year? Who is actually more likely to get it? Like, is is Targo actually penciled into a lot of the the training runs and the and the trials, and just seems to be ahead of everyone at the moment, or is that just what's been bandied around on, on a lot of the um, um, expected seventeens? Yeah, um, definitely Targo, um, and Taylor May right. is only one first grade game last year. That was his debut game. Okay, so so Targo, yeah, right. So we're all on Targo. So. That's pretty much going to do it for the Penrith Panthers and for this podcast. So, Billy, thanks very much for jumping back on. It's been six weeks too long. Great to chat, Supercoach, and do a couple of more previews with you. That's right, mate. I really enjoyed my summer. Let's get back into some winter. winter. Can't wait for it. Thanks, buddy. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Once again, you can download or stream us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Definitely follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore Allstars. And make sure that if you are going to have a punt, do it on Top Sport. Use promo code SC All Stars and they'll take great care of you. Thanks very much for listening. Remember, next week there'll actually be a few podcasts. Um, we're going to have part one and part two of our final, I think, four teams that we need to preview. So there's not many left. We're going to be doing the previews still, but there's also going to be a uh, 
a real footy chat podcast with Luke Garrity that we're going to get up probably around next Wednesday or Thursday as well. So, as always, thanks for tuning in. Can't wait to chat to you again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.